I've titled the message this morning, uh, Dealing with Trials and Afflictions. Dealing with Trials and Afflictions. And I want to look at scriptures uh, and people that we would say in a general way, dealt with trials and afflictions in a, in a right way, in a positive way. Uh, in, in a way with, um, with knowing God and, and knowing how they should relate to him in light of creator God and their commitment to him. But this came to my mind. Uh, it's one of those things that I thought about as I do once in a while. Uh, teachers, you, you need assignments to give your students sometimes for writing assignments in, in English class or literature class or something. Um, you, could, you could assign this one sometime. Um, how, how some people that we read about in the scripture dealt with trials and afflictions in the wrong way. And of course, we can learn from that. How, how they dealt with trials and afflictions in a negative way or in a, in a wrong way. So that would be interesting to, to study that a little bit and learn from the mistakes uh, that some people that's mentioned in the Bible learn from their mistakes in dealing with trials and afflictions. But I'm not looking at that this morning. Um, so let's I invite your attention first of all to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And of course you know this is uh, Apostle Paul uh, talking about some, some things that, um, that he went through and may, maybe some others also. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and I want to uh, just read a number of verses here, maybe on into chapter 5. Um, <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 5. Verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, I'll just stop here and say this. I, don't, I, I can't take a lot of time to, I mean, you, you could preach a, a sermon just on, on these couple of verses, but that's not the, what we're dealing with here this morning. But, but if, if you don't understand everything it's saying in such a short reading of verses uh, uh, 6 and 7, uh, let that be your devotional for a couple of days. And just look at what, what the apostle was saying in verses 6 and 7. To imagine the light of Christ, the light of God living in us and shining in our hearts. I mean, that has to be something great and special and, and miraculous. But the fact of it is, he's doing it in old bodies of clay, old bodies of flesh. He used the term here, it's just like earthen vessels. I mean, I mean, they're going to, they're going to, what you see here is going to go to, back to dirt in the graveyard one day, you know, unless the Lord comes first. 
That, that's, that's interesting to think about it, but that's what he was saying. We, we have this treasure, this treasure, he calls it, just in old bodies of flesh that will die one day. Wow. <clears throat> Continuing to read verse 8. Verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto, the, unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but... The things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Paul there looking at, in a general way, at some afflictions and problems, uh, not only for him, but in a general way for, for believers in, uh, in general and, and uh, realizing we're in this old flesh and we have to put up with uh, difficult things at times. And, of course, he was looking in some of these verses on to heaven when we could get rid of this old body and don't have to put up with it anymore. 
Let me refer to uh, a few other scriptures um, of uh, difficult situations. Think about Joseph back there in the end of the book of Genesis. Joseph and his brothers and what happened in, in their lives. And we know his brothers uh, sold him into Egypt. And all the difficulties he went through there in, in Egypt, uh, being in prison for a while, being falsely accused and so forth. And then, of course, them being brought back together years later. Um, and he certainly could have had bad feelings towards his brothers. He could have treated them meanly and so forth. And yet this is what Joseph said to his brothers. Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. So um, do we go through situations at times where we see it as bad and evil and maybe we, we give Satan the credit for it? And yet God is using it for good. Now, Joseph just said here, he didn't say uh, God meant it for your good or God meant it for my good. He, said, he just said God meant it for good. Well, we, we know of a surety that God meant it for a lot of people's good. This thing uh, of Joseph going into Egypt and then becoming the ruler and, and keeping people from starving because of his wisdom that God had given him, it was for a lot of people's good. And he knew that. And everybody knew it. You meant it for evil, brothers, but God meant it for good. Can we have that attitude and that feeling and say it that way in difficult times? I would like to turn and read just a couple of verses uh, in, in Job. We can learn a lot from Job. You would, of course, know that. Uh, the, uh, but, but, and I'll refer to maybe just a couple other verses later. But, but I would like to turn uh, to uh, a couple of verses in the book of Job uh, right now. Job uh, chapter 23. <clears throat> Job chapter 23, I'll read verse 8 to 12. Job 23, 8 to 12. Behold, I go forward, but he is not here. By the way, this is, this is Job speaking uh, at this point. Behold, I go forward, but he is not here. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. So you see what he's saying in those couple of verses. He... He knows God is there, but he, he wonders why he can't feel him. And, and in his body, in his flesh, he feels like maybe God has not taken care of him or has forsaken him or something. But look at the next verse. 
Verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So the last two verses, verse 11 and 12, is just truthful about from his heart. This is, this is how, how I've been. You know, this is my confession. I've, I, from my heart, tried to do what was right. I, I, have, I have been righteous before God and so forth. And he has faith in a creator God that he could say, verse 10, He knows, even though he looks on the right and the left, he looks forward, he looks backwards, he's kind of wondering where God is in all of this. He knows this, verse 10. Job said about God, he knoweth the way that I take. God, even though I look around and can't see him, I know that God knows where I am and God knows the situation I find myself in at the present time. I know that. God knows the way that I take. And yes, he may be trying me. When he, is, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And yet sometimes we go through things much smaller than what Job went through. And we get all bent out of shape and we get ready to give up. And, and, we, we, and we're almost, and it, as it is almost, we, we almost, you know, get a bad attitude toward God and so forth. Wow, we can learn so much from Job and his wonderful life and attitude in such, such difficult experiences. Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 5. We glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope uh, in a more direct uh, translation of the Greek the word experience here as used here in, in this verse uh, would be closer to our way of saying godly character so uh, let me just read it that way. We glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience godly character, and godly character hope. And so it's right for us to ask ourselves the question, in difficult times, in trials and tests and so forth, does it strengthen my character? Does it improve my character? Or does it take away from our godly character? Furthermore, that verse that all of you can quote from Romans uh, 8, 8, 28. 
And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. We're going to be looking at some verses in the Psalms here in just a few minutes. And, uh, you know, that, that's something that just parallels some of these verses in the Psalms that we will look at. But Paul said it many years later in Romans 8. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Furthermore, Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul's admitting, you know, some difficult things happened to me. Some bad things happened to me. I shouldn't say that because I, I don't believe he ever said it that way, but we would kind of, maybe we have, in talking in a general way about some of Paul's difficulties, we might say some bad things happened to Paul. Well, he didn't say it that way. Um, he just said the things that happened to me, these difficult things, these struggles, so forth, it has furthered the gospel. And that's what he was all about. That was his desire. I can just tell you that some things that have happened to Norvin um, in the last couple of weeks have caused the gospel to go out in a way that it would not have went out otherwise. Because of some relationships he's had to medical people, some things he's said, some things he's said to us, uh, some things that are going through his mind. It's been to the furtherance of the gospel. That's beautiful. That, that's the blessing of, of difficult times, you know. Um, let me just share this illustration uh, with you. There was one uh, girl by the name of Beverly Smith. Uh, we are told that she was born in Akron, Ohio. And uh, as a child, she cried very little. Of course, that was unusual. She hardly ever cried. <laughs> um, she didn't cry when she fell down or bumped her head or burned her hand. She didn't cry. The fact is, um, she had a defect in her central nervous system with no, no known cure. She could not feel pain. She might break a bone. You, you might never know it. She might get appendicitis. Uh, you might never know it. But you can already see that's bad. <laughs> Breaking a bone and not knowing it, that's bad. Uh, having appendicitis and not knowing it, that's bad. You can see the, the danger of all this. Uh, spanking her did no good. Children, would you like to not feel a spanking? Um, 
Well, well, that would be bad. Children, that would be bad if you couldn't feel. I've already suggested that. It would be very bad if you couldn't feel. <clears throat> uh, life without pain would be continuously dangerous. The Lord allows and sends trials and afflictions for a purpose, for a purpose. Now, as I suggested, I would like to look at some verses in the Psalms. Um, let's turn to Psalm 30. Psalm 30. And uh, a number of these verses are just the fact that the psalmist is confessing that he knows that God knows. You know, that, that's a beautiful feeling to know that. When we're in difficult situations, when we're having, when we're dealing with trials and afflictions, if we know that God knows, that can be so comforting and so helpful. And if we're honest and thinking right, we will know that God knows. Um, Psalm 30 and verse 5. Let me read verse 4, first of all. Verse, verse 4 and then verse 5. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. That middle of verse 5, in his favor is life. What it really means there is that his favor is with us for a lifetime. His favor is always with us for those that are his followers. His favor is always with us. His anger, then the first part of the verse, his anger endureth but for a moment. That's the, the term the psalmist used there, the way it's translated, translated at least from the, from the Hebrew. But his favor is with us for a lifetime. Chap, or, uh, Psalm 31, verse 7. 31, verse 7. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. For thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. You see, there the psalmist is confessing that he realizes God knows. God knows what's going on. And that's a comfort to him. I will rejoice and be... And, and, and I know that God has mercy on me. I know that God knows. And I will rejoice and be glad in this even in my trouble. Psalm 34. <clears throat> Psalm 34. I I'm looking at three verses here, and, and this is interesting to me. In, uh, in all three of these verses, I believe, and then, and then one more, maybe in Job, that we look at in just a few moments. In, in all these cases, 
the, the writer, here in this case the psalmist, he says one thing that he did and two things that God did. Look, look at it with me. Psalm 34, verse 4. So the psalm says, I sought the Lord. That's one thing he did. Now note the two things that God did. He heard me, and he delivered me from my fears. I mean, if we take one step with God, he, he will give us strength for, for he, he will bless us in two ways. <laughs> I mean, he, he always does it better than we do, you know. So the psalm said, I, I, I took one step. I did made one move. I sought the Lord. And then two things happened. He heard me, and he delivered me from my fears. Look at verse uh, 6. This poor man cried. That's one thing he did. Now look at the two things that God did. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Look at verse 7. What the psalmist did is in the middle of the verse. What God did is the two things on each side of the middle of the verse. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. So here the psalmist said, here's a man that, that, that fears God. In the middle of the verse, two things happen. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about him and delivered him. Psalm 37, Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Isn't that beautiful? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now true, if we confess our hearts feeling and thinking sometimes, uh, we wouldn't order our life in all its difficulties, in all its trials. We wouldn't order those things, would we? But um, with our faith in God, we know that he orders the things that are best for us at a given time. And so the psalmist confessed here, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That's good. And though there's times of falling, though there's difficult times, verse 24, though he fall. He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. How wonderful. The Lord has just allowed this stumble, has allowed this fall for a good purpose. But he won't leave us there. He will pick us up. <clears throat> Psalm 46. Psalm 46 in Verse 1, the first verse. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 50, 
Psalm 50 in verses 14 and 15. 50, 14, offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call, now God is speaking, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Psalm 55, 55 and verse 22. 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Some of you have heard me give this illustration uh, before uh, about um, Felix Mendelssohn's Oratorio Elijah, but... Uh, it's been quite a while, and so some of you weren't listening then because you were too young, and some of you forgot, so I'll mention it again. <laughs> so in the oratorio, Elijah, by Felix Mendelssohn, uh, he had a preacher friend to help him uh, put together the, the words of the oratorio. Now, the words are basically from the Bible, but this preacher friend of him helped him arrange them and maybe had the most to do with, with arranging the words, and of course Felix Mendelssohn set it to music. <clears throat> um, so it comes to the part where children you have in your Sunday school lessons from time to time, or Bible school lessons, where, where uh, um, Elijah told the, the, old, the old prophets of, of the idol Baal to you know, build yourself some altars and, and, and we'll call, and you call fire. You call Baal to answer you and see a fire come down and, and, and light your altars. And you know the story, children. Uh, and so these people built their altars and, and they, uh, they called to Baal, Baal, send down fire, Baal, send down fire. And Elijah kind of made fun of them. Maybe you're not speaking loud enough, you know, or maybe, maybe your Baal went to sleep or something. You have to wake him up and so forth. And, uh, of course, nothing happened. They didn't. And so they cut themselves with knives and everything to try to make Baal listen, but no fire came to light their altars, of course. <clears throat> then it was Elijah's turn. So he builds his altar. And just so that uh, they knew that he wasn't playing tricks or something, he hadn't put a little match or something in there while he built it. He just dumped it with water, barrels of water, and put water all to make this altar all wet. And then he was getting ready to pray to God to send down fire on this altar. You know, that's part of of the story, the, the song, the oratorio called Elijah that Felix Mendelssohn wrote. Well, now this is not in the scripture, but just, just to, to give some scripture to the audience in listening to this oratorio, you know, how would you feel? You're getting ready to pray to God now to send down fire to light this altar. How would you have felt if you were Elijah? You would have had all kinds of doubts in your mind, likely. You know, I, I've, I've done this. I, I've preached to these people. I, I've told them to call down fire from their God. Of course, their God didn't answer, naturally. Uh, and now I'm getting ready to ask God to send down fire, the, the true God, to light this altar. 
will God hear me? He, he probably felt about this high. And so the writer of, of this oratorio stuck this verse in there that the choir sings, and it's like the angels. It's like the angels ministering to Elijah at this time. And so the choir, in a beautiful way, sings this, and it's in the back of our songbooks. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He'll always be with the righteous. So the choir sings that. And then the baritone solo comes, on, comes in. And, and Elijah prays to God for the fire. And the fire falls from heaven and burns the altar. Amen. Yes. Another little illustration here. See, Elijah, Elijah called to the right place. Elijah spoke to the right person. <clears throat> Listen to this. Instructions at a textile factory. Uh, children, you know, textiles is like cloth. And here in South Boston, years ago, there used to be at least three, three different places that made cloth. And so they have their knitting mills and their knitting machines and their weaving machines and stuff to run threads together, you know, and you, it looks like a, a real big spider web or something until the cloth comes out the other side. All these threads, you know. Well, anyway, instructions at one of those factories said this to the people that are running these machines. If your threads get tangled, call the supervisor. Sorry, the illustration was written that this was a lady running this machine. Uh, it could have been a man too, but anyway, this time it was a lady. One lady's threads got tangled. And she tried to disentangle them by herself, but only made them worse. She finally called the supervisor, and he said this. You've been trying to do this yourself. Yes, she said. Why didn't you call me, the supervisor said. I did my best, the lady said. The supervisor said this. Remember this. Doing your best is calling me. And when we try to do our best in fixing things our own way, you know, we need to be calling on God and asking him for wisdom, asking him for strength and for power, uh, praying to him, calling the fire from heaven from him like Elijah did of old. One more from Psalm 103. 
Psalm 103. Verses 13 and 14, 103, 13, and verse 13 and 14. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. There's one where you need to underline the word knoweth. I mentioned that already. God knows. He knoweth. We don't have to convince him of our frame. He knows our frame. He knows our body. That's what it's saying. He understands our flesh and our body. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are but dust. God knows that. And with that in mind, God, as it were, pities us and takes care of us and helps us in difficult situations. You could, I won't take time to turn to it, but all of you know the story of Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh, he called it. And uh, he spoke to us about it in 2 Corinthians 12, but uh, he prayed to God several times about taking it away, but he realized and confessed it was God's will that he have that thorn in the flesh. It was for the honor and glory of God. Okay, let's just look quickly then at a couple of verses yet in, in Job, as I said. Um, Job, uh, and, and you know you know the life of Job, and many of you uh, could almost say a couple of these verses by memory. Job chapter 1, right there in the beginning, where everything was taken from him, as it were, uh, not as it were, I mean it was. <laughs> Everything was taken from him. Uh, eventually including his health, you know. Uh, Job chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and... Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Wow. Chapter 2 and verse 10. Chapter 2 and verse 10. This is Job and his wife relating to each other now. Chapter 2 and verse 10. But... He said unto her, responding back to the, the bad suggestions from his wife, he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall not, and we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. One more place in Job. Chapter 13. Chapter 13, and verses 15 and 16. 13, 15, though he slay me, Job is speaking here, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. 
The Bible says in Galatians 6, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ.